Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 12th of April 2015, entitled, What is Your Life? Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 44. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, let's have our scripture reading again from the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's holy word. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, 
which should come into the world. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then went Mary. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest, I know I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that we can be reminded of this wonderful account that's recorded for us here in your word. And Father, we pray now that as we look at this passage, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Give us that which we need this day. Lord, help these next moments not be wasted. Help our minds not to wander. Help us, Lord, to listen to that which you have for us, and we'll give you the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Of course, as we said that leading up to Easter in this past week, we have been looking at this whole matter of life and death, of Jesus Christ, first of all, dying and giving his life for us at Calvary being buried in that grave and then rising again the third day. And of course, what I want to remind us of today, and I want to ask us a simple question, which we're going to, God willing, try to answer at least in a small part this morning and this evening, and that question being, what is your life? We're talking about life. We're talking about Jesus Christ rising from the grave. We're talking about having a life through that, because of that, 
that we can live and live for eternity. I would go back and remind you here in the passage that we just read, Jesus said in verses 25 and 26, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Those that put their faith and trust in him, even though they were dead, even though they may physically die, even though that the world may think that they're dead, just as they did Lazarus here, he said, even though they're dead, yet shall he live. Anybody that lives and believes in Jesus Christ shall never die. Do we believe this? Jesus also said just literally a few chapters later in your Bible, preparing them for his death. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said <laughs> he was the life. Most of us this morning, there's a couple of names that I'm sure that you would probably have heard and be familiar with to some degree. And it's interesting, I, I, I wasn't there because Albert Einstein died the year that I was born, in fact. <laughs> but he's known as one of the smartest, cleverest men that ever lived, having a, a phenomenal mind. And then, of course, Nehru of India, the one that was mentored by Gandhi that for the first 20 years of Indian independence was, was their prime minister until he himself died. And often he was actually referred to by his own people as Scholar Nehru because of the phenomenal mind and intelligence that he had. Well, I wasn't there, that I, but I read that supposedly... <laughs> these men with these great minds that Nehru had the privilege of meeting Mr. Einstein one day and he asked him a question. They talked about politics and travel and a lot of other things that they both had interest in, but then Nehru asked him, he said, Mr. Einstein, the question that I came to ask is this. These great minds, they've talked about all these things, but he said, here's the real reason that I came. This is the real question that I want to ask you. Have you found the meaning of life? Have you found the meaning of life? Two of the smartest men of their age, probably of any age, talking with each other, and one asked the other one honestly, have you found the meaning of life? I quote Mr. Einstein's reply as he bowed his head and said, No, I have not found the meaning of life. <laughs> I have not found in all of his intelligence and in all of the great things and 
the whole science of relativity and all these things that have affected us even to this day. And yet, he said, I have not found the meaning of life. Amazing. When you think of these two great minds, two of the greatest minds. Well, I would ask you this morning, uh, have you found the meaning of life? You know, I found something very interesting. If I ask you this morning to define for me in your simplest terms, what is life? We talk about it. We use it. Define it for me. What is life? I was amazed at how many definitions you can find in the dictionary when they're trying to define life. One says it is the union of soul and body. Well, that may be true in some life, in humans, but that's certainly not true in all life. It's not true in plant life. The state of being alive, well, that's true, but it's pretty ambiguous at its best. <laughs> Doesn't really tell us the state of being alive. Okay, what is the state of being alive? One definition I found was the period between birth and death. Well, even from what we've read already, we, we have a real problem there. First of all, defining death, and especially when we're talking about believers. And, of course, part of the real problem in this world today is that many people don't see life until birth. But I say to you, that life has already been there for nine months before it ever is born into this world. That life exists already. So that definition really has some real problems with it. One says that life is the property of a plant or animal or person that involves growth, nutrition, respiration, and reproduction. Okay, it's telling us a whole lot of the things about what life does, but that still doesn't really define for us what is life. How do you define life? Well, life, in honesty, is pretty hard to define. You know, we all experience it. <laughs> it's one of those things we all think, yes, I know what life is. I know what it is to be alive, but define it to someone. Define it to someone in a simple term that will really define it. Again, begin to try to put some of the truths from God's Scripture together, and we certainly could say that, in a sense, life is a, is a trust. It's a trust from God, a loan from God for whatever period of time that He gives it to us while we're upon this earth. Job put it this way in Job 1.21, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, life is there when God gives it and it's gone when God takes it away for whatever period that that might be that he gives you. Well, that really fits when you begin to think that can be life upon this earth, that can be life for eternity, but it is that gift of God that he gives to us but it's certainly an intangible gift. It's like when we try to read a lot of these definitions. You see, you can see and feel the results of life, but you can't actually physically see and feel and touch life itself. You can touch that person that is alive, that thing that is alive. You can feel the emotions of it but it's an intangible thing. We find that 
certainly as we look into Scripture, we find that it's something that is fleeting, that it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. As we look this morning, I want to give you just a couple of simple thoughts as we try to help ask ourselves because, you see, we can know all about the resurrection that we've been talking about and the greatness of it and the life that is ours because of it. But I felt absolutely, totally impressed of God before returning to our series on the Genesis account that after all that we've looked at these past couple weeks around the resurrection, that we need to at least say, well, what practical application does that make to my life? What is this life all about? What is my life? What is my life about? What's the meaning of my life? Four thoughts I think that I've got down here primarily for you this morning. First of all, We've got to consider the provision of life. You know, we've talked some about this in our early studies of the Genesis account. You know, where, where do you get life from? Well, the easy answer, naturally, of course, from your parents. And yes, that is true, but where did that life come from? Where did they get life? And inevitably, we have to go right back into the Garden of Eden and the creation of life when God created it there in the Garden of Eden. Every living thing that was and that is was created by God, speaking it into existence in the Garden of Eden. That's where life began for us. The great provider. Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see, all life comes from God. The apostle John put it this way in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. He says, and we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is not only life. It just originated in the garden. It originated from God. God is life. Jesus is life and not just life between point A and point B, but life forever, eternity past to eternity future. He is life. It's not just a characteristic of God being alive like us. It's the very attribute, the very nature of God, that he is life. And of course, we can say that, okay, life originates with God. God is the one that created it. God is the one that made it. But what about the particulars of that life? Well, I think that in Scripture we can honestly say that there are at least three different particular lives that are spoken of. One is this physical life. That was given to man at the point of creation. God gave us fleshly, physical life that we all have in sitting here this morning. Of course, the second is spiritual life. Man became a living soul. 
You see, God gave that spiritual life to man as well. But of course, man blew it. And we've looked at all of that because man sinned, and then it was with sin that death entered in also. So when God gave us life, he gave us physical life, and he gave us spiritual life, and of course, he gives eternal life. We just saw that he is eternal life. That's the very nature of God, to be eternal, to be eternal life. May I say that when God created us in his own image in the garden, he created us in that same way. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, a very familiar passage, verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened. What does that word quickened mean? It means made alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, just as he, he brought Lazarus out of that grave. Jesus took that which was dead and gave it life. Well, may I say, we've, we've got to realize all life comes from God. God created everything that is. God gave life to everything that is. And he gave that physical life, that spiritual life, and he gave eternal life. But man in his sin, he destroyed the eternal life because with that sin came death. He died spiritually when he sinned and brought that division between him and God. And he put a limitation on his physical life, which meant that eventually that physical life would come to an end as well. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But even though that we were dead because of those sins here, talking to the believers, he has made you alive. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, has made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in those sins, by grace you are saved and hath raised us up together with Jesus Christ has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We can't get into it. We sing about it earlier. You know, it is in Jesus Christ. It's in him. That's where our life is at, hidden in him. He says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Jesus said when he was going there to the grave of Lazarus, <laughs> that Lazarus died, but he was going to make him alive. 
and it was all for God's glory. It was for God's glory that it happened so that God could be glorified. Here he's talking about, that was Lazarus's physical life. Here he's talking about that spiritual life that we were dead in trespasses of sins, but we've been made alive in Jesus Christ. That we were raised with him. That we'll be glorified with him. And that it's all for his glory. We need to remember, physical life is a gift from God. Our existence is due only to him. Spiritual life is a gift from God. (laughs) Its very existence is even made possible only because of him. Our eternal life, our salvation, our quality of life, it's all given to us by God. You see, God is life. And it is God that gives us that gift of life. Our life in all aspects of it, in all of its particulars, are a gift from God. Now, again, we can say a lot of things, but we don't need to. Not only do we, as we look at these things, do we understand the provision of life from the great provider of life. In all the particulars of that life, physical, spiritual, and eternal. Secondly, we must consider this period of life. You see, We don't have time to go back and read all the passages, but most of them you should be familiar with in Genesis 5 before the flood. Man's average lifespan was, well, let's go back to the garden. In the Garden of Eden before sin, man's average life would have been eternal, no death. After that, before the flood, it dropped to 846 years. Can you imagine Tibby, instead of your 21st celebrating your 800th birthday this week, 846 years, that was the average lifespan. Wow, to us, that seemed like a long, 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 long time. But from what man had lost in the garden from eternity, it wasn't. In Genesis 11, after the flood, it was reduced down to like 393 years was the average lifespan of man. In Moses' time, Psalm 90, verse 10, he says, the days of our years are threescore years and 10, that's 70 years old, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, 80 years old, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. We find that in Moses' time, they'd gone down to an average of 70 years, and some being blessed with 80 even. We know that some are beyond that, but we're talking about averages, Psalm 89, 47 says, remember how short my time is. Job 14, 1 said, man that is born of woman is of few days. James says in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, he speaks of life being a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanishes away. It appears like that vapor when you Boil that water in the kettle, and it's there, and then it's gone. Physical life is limited to a set time upon this earth. We can do things that lengthen that and shorten that by being smart or being stupid in the way we eat and the way we live our lives and the things that we do and the things that we don't do. The Bible says we shorten our days by our disobedience, doesn't he? 
Job 7, 1 says, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? What are you saying, preacher? Just this look. <laughs> what is your life? Well, first of all, you've got to realize it's provided only by God. It's a gift from God. Your physical life, your spiritual life, and hopefully your eternal life, it's all a gift from God. And the period of that life is whatever God makes it. In that physical life here upon this earth, in that spiritual life that he gives you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but then we'll give you that eternal life. that is still a gift from God. It is in his control. It's all in God's control. Man can't control it. Yes, we can do things to affect it, but life is provided by God for a set period of time. And I want to give you thirdly to try to help us pictures of life, just some pictures of life. What do you mean? Well, you know, a lot of times, you know, Jesus talked very much with using parables and illustrations and bringing things down to things that people knew by teaching the unknown by things that were known. Well, the Bible uses a lot of illustrations in talking about this matter of life. Life is like a journey. It's like a journey. He says in Genesis 47, 9, Jacob talking to King Pharaoh said, the days of the years of my pilgrimage, of my journey, are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of my life been. A journey. Hopefully from earth to eternity, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a journey through this life in our physical life. Then by the grace of God, beyond Life is a dream. It's like a dream, the Bible says in Psalm 73, 20, as a dream, when one awaketh. How long is a dream? Just a short time while you're asleep. <laughs> but the Bible compares that life to a dream that it's there, you wake up and it's gone. Matter of fact, you're even lucky if you can remember it a lot of times. It's gone. You can't even recall it all usually. That's the way with life. In Ecclesiastes 6, 12, it says that life is like a, a shadow. For who knoweth what is good for man in this life all the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow. A shadow is just a, a poor imitation of something that's real. <laughs> um, can you recognize a person by their shadow? You might be able to see enough of an outline that you think that you might know who it is, but no, the shadow will give you that outline of it, but shadows can be very deceiving. Depending on the way the light's shining, they can be longer or shorter than what the real thing is. You ever tried to grab one, <laughs> do something with it? <laughs> There's no substance to it. Life is like a shadow. The Bible says that, that imitation of something that's real, that shadow of something that's real. We've already said that James said it was like a vapor. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is like a, a tale, a tale that is told, a story. Psalm 90, verse 9, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. You thought Shakespeare came up with that. <laughs> he just borrowed it from God. <laughs> Life 
Life is a story that is told, and each one is individual, and each one is different. Shakespeare said, out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor play that struts and frets this hour. Upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by, he goes a bit further, by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Second Samuel 14, 4, he says, life is like a water spilled on the ground. We must needs die, and we are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. You ever poured water on the ground? Once it's gone, you can't get it back. Job again likens life to a flower. Job 14, 1 and 2, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also again as a shadow and continueth not. You see the blade, you see the leaves, you see that outward beauty, that bud, that flower that comes from it, slowly it opens and we grasp its beauty and then suddenly it withers and it's gone and that life is no longer there. Life on earth is like a bud. <laughs> it'll open, it'll develop. But then when it comes to its end, is there something more? You see, what is your life? What is your life? You got to consider your life as a provision of God. It's a gift of God. Any life that you have, the physical, the spiritual, the eternal, it's all a gift from God. And it's for a period of time that God designates. He is the one that you can do some things to affect it here on earth, but in the end, it is God that's in control of when you live and when you die. We have many pictures of life that we've looked at here in Scripture. But I want to touch this as we close this morning purpose of life, the purpose of life. You see, life really, we could say, is a moment, our physical life, is a moment of time in which we have to prepare for eternity ahead of us, for that eternal life. Whatever time that we have here that God has given us for whatever period we see the shortness of it, the quickness of it, and all these, every picture that he gives us is a picture of life fleeting, being there and being gone. We find that the time that we have here is the only time that you'll have to prepare for eternity. The moment we have now is the moment that we have to prepare for eternity or not. You see, it is a very, 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 very simple question to answer. Where do you want to spend eternity? <laughs> Where do you want to spend eternity? You see, it gets hard because do you realize that even in Scripture, that it becomes almost an impossibility for our feeble minds to describe the difference of life and death? You know, death is simply there as the non-existence of life. 
God didn't create death. Death came because of sin when man was separated from God because God is life. All life is in him. When you're separated from God, you're separated from life. We find that when we come to the end of this physical life, whatever it has, what kind of life do we have? Where do we want to spend eternity? And I know we live in a day when a lot of people say, Preacher, you really ought not to talk about things like that. Well, God talks about them a lot. Why? Because it's not God's will for you to die and stay dead. He's telling us very clearly here, just as Jesus was explaining to him when he brought Lazarus forth out of that grave. He is the resurrection, praise God. He is the life. And if you believe on him, you can have that life. And he wants you to have that life. Your moment is fleeting. I don't care how young or how old you are. You don't know that you have tomorrow. What is your life right now today? The physical life that we recognize, it is fleeting at the best. But if you received God's gift of spiritual life, you see, he made you to have that, that spiritual life that would last for all of eternity. Do you want, because you see, life is with God. Life eternally is with God eternally. Death is away from God, separated from God totally, eternally, forever. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. People say, oh, you shouldn't talk about that stuff. Why does God talk about it so much? Because it's not his will that any should perish. That place was prepared for the devil and his angels. It's you that if you reject him and you reject life, you're choosing the death. It's your choice today. What is your life? Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. <laughs> for me to live is Christ. Do you have Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life? Have you truly given your life to him? Are you trying to hold on to it and do what you want with this gift from him that is here for the period of time that he gives you that he's wanting to give you the great gift of spiritual life and eternal life? And yet you're still trying to do it yourself. Do you, can you say as the apostle Paul for me to live is Christ. There's so many passages we could turn to. That's what we've been looking at over these last couple of weeks. Jesus Christ is the resurrection. He is the life. We find that we really ought to consider so many times. I give you this illustration in closing. I read first of all to you that Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And I ask you, as Jesus asked, do you believe that this morning? <laughs> Do you really believe that Jesus is the resurrection, that Jesus is the life? Do you really believe 
that when you put your faith and trust in him, even though you were dead, you're alive because when your faith and trust is in him, you will never die. You can play with life all you want to. You can try to spend it doing the things that's making your sinful flesh feel good. Well, you can prepare for all of eternity. What is your life? The story of a dear lady from the country that went on her very first railroad journey that she'd ever been on. And any of you that travel on trains, you know, one of the beautiful things about traveling on trains is you don't have to worry about the traffic and driving and the worries. You can actually sit there and just look out the windows and see all the beautiful things that go by and not worry about getting to your destination, but be able to enjoy what's there for you. She had looked forward to this trip for so long, and she was so excited about it, and she got on the train I mean, she's getting there, she gets on one place and she's fussing and she's trying to make sure this is in place and that's in place and she's worrying about this and she's worrying about that. She's doing this and doing that and suddenly she hears the name of the station and she's at her destination. She's shocked. As she arrives there, she looks around and she said, well, I missed everything. I missed everything that was beautiful. I was so busy, her term was fussing about. You know, in life, so many times we're so busy fussing about with all our little things that are absolutely of no importance whatsoever. To see the beauty of what God's got for us. <laughs> to see the beauty of the journey that he wants to take you on. Quit fussing about with the things that don't matter. Make sure. Make sure. What is your life? Father, we thank you this morning that Lord, we've seen in recent weeks the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And Lord, we look today that, Lord, here he was, not only his resurrection, but it's because, Lord, his life that we've seen him raise Lazarus. And he says that he is the resurrection, that he is the life, and that any of us that believe on him, Lord, that we can have that life, we can have it forever. So I, I, I pray, God, help us. <laughs> Lord, this, this past celebration of the resurrection, Lord, it wasn't about all the celebrations around the, the food and the eggs and all of these things. It was about life itself. That same Jesus that rose from the dead, he is life. And it's God. He is the only provider of any life that is. It comes from God. It is a gift from God and it's provided for the amount of time that he ultimately is in control of. Lord, every picture that he gives us in Scripture shows how fleeting that it is, how that it's so limited in time. Lord, we begin to think of the purpose of life. Our greatest purpose in this life is to prepare for the next life, to know Jesus Christ, to receive that gift of spiritual life, and eternal life that he has for us, to share that with others. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. We get fussing about with all the things that are really not important. We get our eyes off of the important thing, the beauty of life that you have for us, the gift that you have for us. Help us today. Help us to answer honestly what our life is. For it's in Christ's name we pray.
Amen.